Hey, hey, welcome to Pawns Up. It's the top of another beautiful, beautiful week. Well, as beautiful as beautiful can be at this time. Hopefully, things are beautiful with you, Peter. Um, going as well as it can. <laughs> yeah, so let's quickly cut to the chase here. We've got John Cavill from Warbringer on this week's show. We're doing a breakdown with him. Of course, breakdown is the format where we dissect a single and try and break it down as much as we can. And John was a real sport for this one. And the single that we've chosen to dissect or to break down is The Black Hand Reaches Out from the band's sixth album, which is Weapons of Tomorrow, which is going to be releasing this week. So here it is. Here is Breakdown. And here we have John from Warbringer. How are you doing today, John? Doing great. Uh, it's a fine day under quarantine. I'm standing outside my house. I got my headphones on here and I'm uh, in my garden, actually. I, I'm going to grill later, just staying in because of the current situation. And uh, that suits me fine, actually. <laughs> Why do you like staying indoors? Uh, I, I like my house. I like my. I have a wife and cats and we have a pretty nice situation going on here. And uh, it's a nice contrast to touring. I think... Uh, I don't think I was always this way, but I think uh, after touring for many years, that yes, I basically do. I've, I've become uh, pretty domesticated, and I, you know, we've been spending time just like learning to cook different stuff and uh, watching a bunch of movies. Okay, do you wish for things to always be in this manner, and then step out only when you really need to? <laughs> no, no, it's uh, eventually. My, my wife's going stir crazy, so. Uh, it, it needs to go back to normal sooner. <laughs> uh, she's not enjoying it as much as I am. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are locked down here in India too, man. It's it's kind of weird how the whole world is going through the same thing, right? Yeah, certainly. It's, uh, I mean, you know, global economy, global society, global pandemic. That's how it works. You, <laughs> you can't have one without the other, I guess. Yeah, I guess you can, uh, after this entire interview, has said that, uh, we should send you some YouTube videos about how to cook good Indian food. Okay, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, we actually, uh, we're big fans of Indian food. So, and uh, we do a lot of, uh, we're meat eaters, but we also cook vegetarian some, a lot of the time. So, uh, you know, we there's a, that opens up a lot of stuff. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. And a lot of Indian recipes with uh, meat in it too. So, don't have Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, anyway. but, yeah. Cool. Okay. We could go into food for a while now, but let's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're talking to you today because uh, we wanted to do a breakdown of a single that's coming out from the newest Warbringer album, Weapons of Tomorrow, and the track that we've chosen to do it with is "The Black Hand Reaches Out." All right. Let's, uh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. So, yeah. be- before we get into it, before we break it down. We actually will play out the full song so that our audience can actually uh, get to listen to it without us pausing it uh, every now and then to ask you some questions about it. So <laughs> That's probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Care yeah. to introduce the song for our audience, John? So this is track two from our upcoming uh, record, Weapons of Tomorrow. This is The Black Hand Reaches Out. Thank you. 
And now, John, let's be, let's start the breakdown. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. And here we go. So yeah, the opening riffs, you know, to me, they sound very old school and brought to mind, you know, the Bay Area thrash sound. Is that what you all were going for? Well, I mean, Warbringer is a thrash metal band. So uh, to, to, to an extent, yes. But uh, when you this song in particular is uh, something of a mid-paced headbanger. So, you know, it's not... Uh, it's not really one of the speed burners or one of the epics. So, yes, I, I think uh, when I think of the Bay Area thrash sound, I often think of those kind of mid-tempo stompers that are like really catchy and stuff. You know, your, your toxic waltz, et cetera, those type of songs. And uh, this one we're thinking uh, in particular back to our own song, Remain Violent, for the overall kind of like tempo and groove of the whole thing. Uh, the character of the riff, however, is pretty different. That one's very uh, brick, if you will. And this one, I think, when you get into that main riff, it's something a little like sneakier feeling due to the note choice. These are all uh, this Black Hand is a, a Carlos creation, so I got it in the form of a demo where, very much in Carlos Cruz fashion, all the parts were there. <laughs> you know, the drum and okay. guitar parts were all there. He's very complete uh, when he gives an idea. Just to further on build on the question I asked you, what are the bands that have influenced your sound and continue to do to date? Oh, uh, well, there's a ton of those in the realm of, uh, I guess, like heavy thrash, death, uh, and black metal. So I would say uh, starting out, just the, the classic heavy metal sounds of like, you know, your Maiden Priest Dio and then getting all into the new wave of British heavy metal and all of that. You have uh, your thrash metal where you have the American, the German schools, and we take, uh, we actually, I think thrash metal is a pretty wide genre. So you have both the uh, the earlier and the later sound. You have like a technical side to it. You have like a hardcore punk rock side to it. You have stuff that leans into black and death metal. You have like the Bay Area sound. So we draw from all of that. That'll include uh, some of my favorite thrash includes like, I like a, a lot of the machine gun vocal stuff. So Demolition Hammer, Epidemic of Violence is like one of those evergreen records for us. Uh, first five creators are, are up there in, in the Bible for us, as far as we're concerned. Uh, the, the early Slayer out, the early Slayer output, uh, you know, your, your Exodus, uh, your Testament, your violence, uh, your Morbid Saint, Spectrum of Death is a great underrated record. Bunch of old thrash, basically. The canon, oh, uh, Sepultura in the, the early phase, all everything up to Arise is like very much in the canon. And I, I like some of the latter stuff as well. Um, so, and then it goes pretty wide open for from there. But that's our like basic canon of what we're starting with is uh, pretty much metal from like Black Sabbath's first album all the way up to about 92 ish is kind of the range of sounds that we're mostly influenced by. 
Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So having said that, considering what you just said, uh, let's talk a little bit about production. Uh, can you talk to us about the the production process, especially with a focus on instruments and why the sound itself, the sound, is as important as the riffs and even the songs? Well, because it's music, basically, is the, is the reason you listen to it. So that's the answer to that last question. There. I mean, in simplest terms, you know, it's uh, course, it's the essence. It's the yeah. essence of it. You know, it's just, it's an important thing to state. Uh, so yeah, definitely because of that. And so, therefore, the trick is finding the right character. I don't think there's such a thing as yeah. like an objective good sound i'm really glad that uh you know my old like that early bathory doesn't sound like very polished for instance i Mm -hmm. much prefer the fact that it sounds like it's coming from a cave you know it's the ideal sound for that aesthetic so the trick is to find the right one for ours or i guess for any artist for theirs um we often emphasize like a really sharp sound we want all the sounds to cut uh and we'll use that both to describe like clarity in the mix and then also cut in the sense like a knife i I like uh the idea that all the sounds in thrash metal are uh, somehow bladed if that makes any sense it's a way of imagining the way it sounds you know uh but i like that idea that the vocal sounds all the (laughs) and all of those uh and even the the to the lead guitar and the drums we want the snare to hit like a gunshot as well and we want to not have any of the clicky typewriter sounds so getting mm. precision but the thunderousness not uh so the kick sounds like booms and not clicks you know yep yep and yet no so so here's here's why why i asked that question but you say this and yet it sounds like uh like how how a stereotypical and sorry to use that word but how a thrash band would sound like well, yeah, we are a thrash band, so of course. <laughs> um, and, and there's a range of like thrash metal sounds in production. And what you're hearing from us is, I guess, our synthesis of uh, pretty much the canon of existing sounds of us taking out of that stew, sort of our ideal version. We're trying to create our ideal version of thrash metal as we, you know, we as metal listeners would envision it. Cool, cool. Let's continue uh, playing the track and let's see where else we pause. So I must ask you about those first four lines. Tell us about this black hand. Well, the black hand was a real uh, a real thing actually. It's uh it's the it's a Serbian nationalist paramilitary organization that existed in the early t- the late 19th and early 20th century. Their most fame they did uh they they actually overthrew the Serbian royal house in the the 1880s 1890s somewhere in there by murdering them, which is its own story you know they storm the palace and they get the butler to show them where they're hiding and then they shoot the family it's pretty brutal um they then install a republic government in serbia that's then indebted to them and they're like these ultra nationalists who uh who hate the nearby austro-hungarians which are a, a thing at this time um basically later on they're the guys behind the franz ferdinand murder you know in austria and the heir to the throne 
and that starts World War One. The thing that I thought was interesting and why I kind of the angle I'm going at with that we are the order you obey thing is uh, the people they had to carry out that assassination. What, the guy who actually pulled the trigger was a 19 year old. He wasn't like one of the higher ups here. He's a guy they got to do their job for him. He was a pawn the way I see it. And uh, so that's kind of an evil and sinister angle to write a metal song. So the lyrics in this song are from the perspective of like the shadow order giving orders to you, the listener, who's going to go do the assassination for them. So it's, it's you know, because I, I imagine that's more or less what happened. Uh, and yeah, the, they have the goal of uh, destabilizing the world order somehow, changing the political currents and they're going to use this young impressionable mind to carry the gun for him and do it and uh so throughout the song you'll see even too that this guy's expendable you know uh -huh. they don't care what happens to him they just want the job done all right let's continue so we want to wait to tear down the state Okay, so that ends a solid verse with a really chunky riff. Here's a question that I've always wanted to ask practically every musician today. Uh, we live in an age where there's just so much music. How do you guys take a call on riffs? Because these days, it's really pretty easy to say that, yeah, you know, that's something or that sounds like something I've heard before. I think uh, part of it is to focus in on ourselves and what we sound like and what we do kind of okay. block out a lot of the the traffic uh because there's a zillion ideas a zillion riffs uh i don't i don't i don't know this one from anywhere so we tr we try to be uh original and just write riffs that stick in our own heads when we write them and we pretty much do it on that basis um yeah as far as the the lines in the verse there what we're you know it's kind of a continuation of the previous part so so our aim is to tear down the state let's do it mm -hmm. <laughs> that's that's what's going on in the lyrics there <laughs> Yeah. One thing going on in the riff in this song, I can point uh -huh. out to you, it's, it's a minor variant, but uh, in the early part before the vocals, uh, the riff is on higher notes and it moves yep. to low, yep. chunky E string yeah. in the in the verse variant of itself. The bass guitar, however, does the opposite, where it's doing low when the guitar is doing yep. high and the bass does high when the guitar is doing low. That's a thing we did in this. And they they kind of weave and they do a reverse in the third verse, which I'll point out when we get there. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it a bit later too, but I guess like being a bassist myself, it really pleases my heart where these days and recording technology these days actually allows for the bass to be heard properly in a mix. <laughs> I think it's very important, and I think in a metal mix especially, the bass has a very important role, even when you're just uh, playing just playing rhythm and unison parts like this is a pretty straight ahead headbanging number we have progressive numbers on the album this is, mm -hmm. is i i wouldn't consider this one of them um but it, so there's a lot of just unison parts in the verse uh but it rounds out the sound in such a way because metal guitars are going cha -cha 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 -cha, and uh you just need that like warmer tone from the bass it, it adds to the musicality of the total piece so much so we're we're firm believers in that that you need that in the mix uh yeah definitely for a good minute yep the bass adds the bass <laughs> <laughs> we're getting a lot of these self-evident truths right here man <laughs> Alrighty, let's continue The 
I just want to come back to the lyrics where the part goes, and now it sunk your claws into your mind. Is this referring to you know the agent now being recruited, brainwashed? Yes. That's my okay. <laughs> That's the implication. Yes. Yeah, uh, now this idea, you know, you're gonna go and sacrifice your life for it, pretty much. Uh, um, you know, it's it's gotcha. You're, you're gonna go and do it because you want to. You know, um, you're gonna go do the job and be the pawn and uh, you know start shoot the archduke, start the world war. I guess. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, so through the verse, the chorus, and this pre-bridge vocal scream. First up, let's take you several years back. When did you learn or decide that uh, you could be a metal vocalist? took me a while and actually i had a very brief phase where i bought a uh, a shitty off-brand guitar and uh sucked at playing it and learned like five riffs and sucked at all of them um and but was the, one of and, them nothing else matters no uh <laughs> but i had like uh, it was like grim reaper see you in hell uh man of wow. blood of my blood of my enemies i couldn't get wow. the squealy i couldn't get the squealies on see you okay. in hell so okay. so it, I, I said sucked at it you know but Man of War, Blood of My Enemies, stuff like that. Pretty 101 metal riffs. Uh, you know, I could do... So that's fun, you know? Um, <laughs> but uh, I I've ended up meeting guitar players right away who are interested in some of the same music that I was then starting to get into. Um, and because of because i met two guitar players first well i can't do that anymore they were way further along we were all learning still but uh, they were way further along than me mm -hmm. and so uh i had to find something else to do and i, I just wanted to be in a metal band so i went to vocals you know <laughs> so uh, i kind of just had the guts to try it i had no background in music or vocals or anything like that uh and at first i was going for something like you know, a more like Halford, Eric Adams, Dickinson style with which no training and no experience. You can imagine how that went. So I kind of gravitated more towards a rougher sound because also as we were learning how to play instruments and stuff in the very early days, um, you know, I, we were getting into more extreme music, old thrash in particular, mm -hmm. uh, appealed to us a lot at that time in the band. And so what I did learn is that I could do some of those rapid fire cadences pretty well. And so I started moving more into that style and kind of creating the, I guess, character that you hear on Warbringer Records now, you know? Because I always think for, for a good metal band, you need a good character on vocals. Don't want yep. some flat and homogenous guy I love. That's one reason I gravitate towards older metal is because every vocalist is a character. And even if they're a little whack job sounding, you know, you can tell who the hell it is singing, you know? <laughs> All right. So, which brings me to the question regarding this particular track and this entire verse chorus section that we've heard so far. There's so many different things and techniques going on. So the question really is, today, how do you decide what technique to use? What helps you decide, say, one part needs to be raspier than the other? Or let me bring in a vocal hit here, or let me do a squeal here, or something of that sort? Uh, basically, remember, I, I was just talking about the, the character. I just play the character. It's, just, it's almost like acting. I just imagine the voice saying the things, and I just imagine how it would sound cool. And, and that sounds really basic, but, you know, that's how you get, uh, you know, the, the scream. It's like, reaching out for you. And the, the you has to go, like that. It's not you or reaching out for you. You know, it's, it's none of those. It, those little inflections, I guess it's a sort of intuition or knack for it. 
And at this point, I think it comes from having six albums of basically doing the Warbringer voice style, having developed it for this long. I think I have a intuition for where I should do what. Uh, the, the opening line for this ended up a lot like deeper than usual for me, but uh, <laughs> I try to slide around my range and just say the words different and keep it entertaining and characterful. Alrighty, let's continue. A whole verse, chorus, two section right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so just tell us about the progression of the song. I mean, if you see it, it's kind of going with the history in a way. So as as a songwriter, as, you know, a storyteller, were you ever tempted to kind of deviate from what history tells us? Did you want to put your own twist to it? Uh, I mean, you know, it's a song, so it's a an interpretation i suppose so you know i wouldn't i'm actually in my other life i'm studying to be an academic historian though so i wouldn't ever want to like just make (laughs) some shit up uh yeah i'm trying to be a professor i I got my bachelor's last year uh and i'm gonna go for my master's after we finish touring on this album so uh (laughs) that's basically the plan um anyways so what i wouldn't basically why would I need to make it up? Because the story, the whole reason I'm writing about the story that's there is because I think it's interesting. So I need to tell the story that's actually there because uh, that's the better one, <laughs> not the one I made up, you know? The one that really happened is more interesting because it fucking happened and actually mattered. Um, so that's my view on that. But how do I package it? How do I put that into a song? That's a different question. So, uh, I try to, in the second verse, have a sense of progression of the story. Like in the first verse, you're briefed by the order. Uh, you know, in the second, and in the second verse, it's like that continues. You know, like here now we're sending you off, and uh, it's got my favorite line in the song: the whole uh, "and if compromised, take the cyanide." One yeah. of the assassins, one of the three assassins, did have a cyanide capsule around his neck and did take it, and it failed. He fell into a river. He totally, it was kind of a wonk wonk moment, but the guy was willing to do it. So that that's something uh, that willingness to sacrifice yourself for. Uh, a cause basically is pretty pretty nuts. This guy was gonna, you know, shoot a head of state, a future head of state, and take a cyanide capsule and die anonymously, you know, just to to get this objective completed. And that's so you know that's playing into the uh, the assassin as a pawn and that theme again, which is something, again, that's my interpretation of the actual events. But I'm not saying anything happened that didn't. So and I think that's a, a fair way to do an interpretation to make it fit into a song. It'd be fun. I want the story to be something you can follow without having to read a book about it. I want it to be 
something you can just pick up and get the idea, okay, it's like it's like I'm the assassin, you know, and that's good enough. You don't even need to know what time, where we're talking about. So the idea of uh, an order, a shadow order sending an assassin on a mission, that's a cool metal song. So you, it can work in layers like that, where it de- in my theory, it needs to work on first a very simple level, and then you can add the depth. And we continue. Popping solo and instrument section. So, what's it like when the band is constructing these kind of parts? Do the guitarists actively try and one-up one another? Like, uh, in, in, in my head, it's just like uh, Squizgar and Toki from Death Clock when they do that guitar <laughs> tool. I, I wonder. Uh, so, so, I don't think so. Uh, we got... So first off, uh, the first thing that happens in this particular song, like I said, Carlos had very much kind of package the the instrumental yeah. the the rhythmic instrumental part before you know and then i add the lyrics and then we did the solos the solo section rhythmically was written and it and we didn't have to change it it worked as we first imagined it uh so basically you got two solos there you got uh, chase yeah. becker and then adam carroll and they they kind of swim in different currents if you will chase becker is a classic 80s style shredder uh as you can hear and he's uh i I think he does a good great blend of technique and uh catchiness and tasteful melodies Uh, so i think he's a great all-around lead guitar player he's very heavily focused on like lead guitar solos that that's what makes him tick as a as a player so we really are happy to give him these long so we know that about him and so we write in these long solo sections to really let him shine and do his thing and we can where we can really use his talent in our band adam often plays a role in like the songwriting and composition thing he's a longtime member of the band and he's a more like melodic player so they will often write these sections in where adam will do a more like sing along uh mel- you know le- more like hummable melody thing and chase is peeling out and the contrast between them and their still soloing styles reminds me of the contrast between you know some of those murray smith or tipton mm-hmm. downing guitar duos and i always love that where one guy plays a solo and it's like this and another guy plays his solo and it's like that and then they jump together for a unison lead or something and uh that that interplay so it's i never saw it as a I don't think the best guitar solo duo trade-offs are so much a pissing contest as a, a synergistic thing where you're making a musical section and the musicality comes first. That being said, a good guitar solo should also sound like you caught lightning uh, caught lightning in a bottle. So these guys are going off, too. We, we try not to screw around that a great metal song needs a great solo. Cool. Let's continue. Mission successful! Panic in the streets! 
we've got the end of the, of the track, but you talked earlier about, you know, that you were studying history. So that kind of explains your interest in the World War One. Uh, I read somewhere else where you said there's often a storytelling component in which the lyrics, uh, song lyrics develop or turn along with the music and structure of the song. So for this specific song, Black Hand reaches out. What came first, the story or the music? The music came first. As I said, this started with a Carlos demo. I had that chorus line in my head because I basically knew about the story of the Franz Ferdinand assassination and the Black Hand. I read this book, The Sleepwalkers, that goes into it a good deal. Um, and the phrase, the Black Hand reaches out, was in my head before I had the song or before I connected it to this music. Uh, just and it was said in that voice reaches out. You know, you have to have the the drag. It's key to what makes it work. I think the the inflection. Um, and eventually, I got the idea to stick it to this. I was stuck on a, a working title we had called Riff Man. That's that's what we called the demo at first. Uh, what I latched on onto it, and what drew me to write the the Black Hand thing into it is, I think the riff with the it's kind of got this yeah. like sneaky clandestine feel, like it's creeping up on you. It it's not really in a rush. The song's uh you know kind of like a like I said, it's a pretty straight ahead number. Um, by our standards i'll point i'll point out something we do because it's not often we'll do a straight third verse chorus so the third verse and chorus here have variants from the first two uh the third verse the variant is that the the first riff which we've been cycling in the high and low versions yeah. low under the verse it goes too low then too high under the verse which has not appeared that way before and the bass guitar does it's like high low reversal thing on two and two correspondingly then the last chorus which uh the chorus consists of the chord part and then the single note riff yeah that thing um it does uh, instead of doing one you know a b a b it goes a a b b yeah. at the end uh so we do little variants to keep it interesting for ourselves and even in a pretty like straight ahead because this is meant to be a single it's meant to be catchy it's meant to be early on the record uh, we've got some like deep dive numbers like Heart of Darkness, Defiance of Fate, Glorious End, whatever, uh, on the record that are very different types of songs. But I think having different approaches is also what makes that record interesting. This one's meant to be catchy, sticks in your head the first listen, but we still try to have some of that uh, detail and intricacy so that it can hold up on the 15th or 20th listen, and you'll still find it worth listening to, you know? Um so that's something we try to think about a lot and we try to make it uh, even the st more straight ahead numbers. We try to have clever little things in there and uh, like a, a kind of story that develops and just a lot of interesting stuff that'll make it stand up and last and not just be another thrash song that generally bangs your head. All right. So on that, <laughs> there it was. That was the breakdown for the Black Hand region. But we aren't done yet. John, we aren't done. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yep, it's now time to break this down even more. Are you ready? Uh, it will be utterly broken down. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that single was from your upcoming album, Weapons of Tomorrow, which is your sixth album in, say, 16 years. Uh, has it become easier for you guys to write music for an album? Is there like a coherent formula or a mental state you know that you've got to tap into? 
And if so, what's that like? It's kind of random. And no, it, I actually think, I feel like it gets more daunting every time because some, some simple arithmetic, more or less. I've written like now 58, 60 thrash lyrics. Every idea I have has to not be one of those. So the list of, of remaining ideas gets a little smaller every time I write a song. And there's only so many ideas in the world that are like coherent with the Warbringer theme and concept for the band. You know, it's not exclusively warfare. It's like maybe 30, 40 percent that subject one I'm interested in. But, you know, this one's assassination, which isn't really the same thing uh, we have you know, we have inter intrapersonal stuff like Defiance of Fate unraveling. We have uh, Notre Dame King of Fools, which is its own thing that jumps between Victor Hugo's novel and the fire on the cathedral. Uh, so, so I try to go a lot of interesting places with the lyrics. But I find uh, it takes me a little longer every time to sort of sit back and, like, regenerate. It feels like a gradual regeneration, like every time... I take a record, it's like if you cut all the branches off a bunch of plants, and now I gotta wait for the, the fruits to grow back, you know? Um, that's kind of what it feels like. I, like I sort of have to harvest all my creative fruit and then wait a while, and each time I make an album, um, I need to wait a little longer, I feel like, before I have enough uh, ideological fruit there, to, so to speak, to draw upon to make the next one. It also gets harder every time, I think, because I think the band has gotten better, and I think the albums have gotten better, and so the bar raises each time. So uh, it's something that I'm actually very self-critical about, and I think that I and the band need to be, or we won't be able to continue maintaining or exceeding the standard of quality that we're expecting out of ourselves right now and that the fans are expecting out of us. Okay. You mentioned earlier that this song is a fairly straightforward one and the uh, there are quite a few of the other songs on the album that are a bit more progressive. So let me be a bit cheeky with this and uh, please don't take this to heart when I say that a song like this, which is you know fairly straightforward, uh, when it's played live, is, it, is, is that meant to also serve as a bit of a break for the band on stage? Uh, I mean... <laughs> Pull out the guitar, play this. You know, it's not easy on the right hand and that solo. That's not exactly a break, is it? Oh, um, completely, completely. Yeah, the vocal performance too. So it's it. What are you comparing it to? We have songs that are tougher to play than this. If you want to do, uh, you know, Shellfire from the last record or something, yeah. that's a beast. Uh, so, you know, it's not as challenging as those ones. Uh, but I don't think we have any songs that are a break. I think you take the easiest Warbringer song, and it's a pretty strenuous thing to do. Even even Remain Violent, which is a two-riff number, you know, hope you can play that solo. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so it's uh, it's something that... Nah, and the vocals are, are really high effort in something like this that's got a little more of... Uh, I'd say the song structure is a little more like hard rock based in a mid paced mm -hmm. stomper like this than uh -huh. one of the more extreme, extreme numbers that has more chaotic song structure. Um, in something like this, I think the vocal really is front and center. Yep. And so I have to be very performative where some of the fast numbers, I, I got to spit the pattern out more so and get the rhythm to be sharp in this. You're going to hear every word because of the pacing and the tempo of the song. And you were talking about all the little inflections and details and how you noticed it. Well, I, I have to 
so do the fans hopefully and i have to deliver that so it's not uh so actually on the vocal standpoint a song like this can be a little harder because you're front and center and it's very uh song like sing sing song focused compared to a lot of the other numbers which are based around like rhythmic changes and stuff fantastic so you know earlier on uh, you said i see us more on the lines of demolition hammer morbid angel the earlier creative stuff you know somewhere more in the extreme vibe a bit of you know american and german schools of thrash with a good dose of black death could you elaborate <laughs> generally yeah on that? So I'd say the black hand is not really in keeping with that statement I made. And I'll point out sure. that we try to write a, write songs that are different from our other songs. So when I say that, I would be talking about a lot of our past discography. Uh, Waking into Nightmares in particular is really like, you know, late 80s, brutal thrash, early 90s, death, you know, you're beneath the remains, epidemic of violence, coma of souls, those kind of records. Uh, is very much where we are for Waking Into Nightmares. And that remains a cornerstone of what the band's about. Uh, you can see it on this record, I think, in like Unraveling, Outer Reaches, Firepower Kills. Uh, the Firepower Kills, I'd say, sounds a bit more like uh, something out of like the 85 realm than like the 89, 90. But again, we can jump around the existing range of sounds and blend as we please to make an album that we think is cool. I would say... Uh, on Black Hand, you're probably looking at a number that's more akin to something out of the Bay Area. I'd say some of the the note choice and stuff is something maybe a little more akin to like extreme aggression or something than uh, than the New Order. But the the tempo and pacing is something that you'd find in you know that you might find in like late '80s San Francisco. Um, and that's fine. You know, we we try to jump between range of songs. I think the the first song on the on the record, Firepower Kills, is a thrashing speed burner. The second one is kind yeah. of a mid-paced neck, you know, head knot, head banger. And then the third one, Crush Beneath the Tracks, is like very much in the death thrash realm, you know, leading towards some of the early 90s death metal and uh, that that slow hands, fast feet beat that I call the helicopter beat. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So, you know, it's been great talking to you. Uh, I have one question more. You mentioned, you know, okay. the war bring theme and concept. So that brings me to our final question. What continues to make Warbringer well Warbringer? Uh, I'd say just a healthy dose of ourselves and our own interest. It's a synthesis of everything we really like and our own personalities. Uh, so... And one of the core concepts, too, the band's called Warbringer. It's going to kick your ass. It's going to blow your head off. So we are willing to indulge a lot of our, the things we want to do to be creative as musicians. But we always have to keep it something that does that. Fundamentally, if this album doesn't blow your head off, we have failed you. So it's basically to accomplish that goal. And then that being done, make it as interesting as we possibly can and make it go as many different directions that all wreck, you know, and uh, that's that's sort of our MO. That's our mission statement. And uh, we want to do it with the highest standards of musicality, songwriting and uh, no fucking costumes and keyboards. You know, we're, we're a real goddamn metal band and we play fucking metal with a capital M-E-T-E-A-L, you know, <laughs> on that note. John, this was this has been a complete pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. 
Sure did. I'm really glad. Uh, I really enjoy the detailed, the detail-oriented questions. I'm, you know, I think that's a valuable thing to like talk. How did you write this song? What are you thinking about this part? I love the uh, the challenge questions because I get to address them. You know, uh, if you don't say them, they might be thought in people's minds, and I'd rather address them than not. Right? Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. Awesome. So, anyway, I have fun. I have fun with that. I really enjoyed your interview in particular. So yeah, that's it for us at the moment. I think we've kept you for quite some time. Yeah, it's been a good time. I'm fine with it. Yeah, and I think I'm gonna get to doing some chores around the house and cooking some food for the wife now. And uh, <laughs> I hope you guys will. I hope to. I hope to reach India one day, man. Uh, that would be quite fantastic. There's a lot of stuff I'd like to see. I've done a, I've done some study of the history myself as well. Uh, one of our U.S. crew guys, Anirudh Bansel, is from there, and I was, I was his first interview when he moved to the United States. So we talk about India a lot, and uh, I've always wanted to visit the place a lot. That's one place uh, I've never gotten to see, which is, I've been lucky enough that there aren't too many of those. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You'd love it here in India because considering considering you're a history buff, oh man, our history one of the oldest, yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, a huge melting pot of languages, religions, cultures that goes, and it's like also one of the oldest, like continuous world cultures. You have stuff from all these different eras and different architectures, you know. Man, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff to see for sure. Um, so I. Sadly, on the context of touring, one can't really explore to the extent that they'd like. And, and you know, yeah. I'm interested more than the old buildings. I, I want to go eat at different restaurants and see what's there now. Like, you know, I, I, I get all philosophical when I go travel the world. It makes you think. It really does. You know, I'd love to go there for personal reasons. And I'd also love to bring the band there. I think that uh, I think it, as far as I understand, I've never been. But uh, as far as I know, India is one of the real great like developing metal scenes in the world where the music's gaining a lot of traction it has a big fan base there's a there's obviously a ton of people and it's a market that doesn't get as many bands as many people coming through so when you do it has the potential to be a really great event uh and i've seen some footage of festivals and stuff and i'm like man i want to go i want to go and do that you know yeah we, yeah. yeah all right anyway all right. good talking to you guys bye-bye <laughs> So that was a nice and detailed chat. Who knew John Cavill was into history? Well, of course, we should have figured that one out, considering the amount of history that's come uh, that's doled out in Warbringer songs. Anyways, here's an interesting bit. We also spoke to John at length about uh, the band's interest in coming over and playing in India. That seems like a good idea, right? That would be a lot of fun, and uh, considering how much uh, we love thrash metal here in India, so I think it would be kind of perfect fit yeah that should be a good one hopefully we'll be able to see concerts sometime coming back <laughs> like i think we'd be lucky if we catch a concert live this year but uh, hey never say never right or maybe everybody will go the way of devin townsend and put on fabulous fucking shows right from the comfort of his own home oh yeah you got it live right yeah i was i like the uh, i remember when the first when the first announcement was made the tickets sold out like within 30 minutes but then uh somehow the, uh he managed to find a way to ink 
increase the number of tickets or increase capacity or something of that sort and end up just getting them and it was oh man like i'm i've been gushing about him on twitter and uh, i just can't stop gushing on about him of course now like 3 days later he's made the the concert stream available officially as such on his own youtube channel so go and check that out and hopefully it'll should inspire you to come on board and uh, you know actually buy a ticket for the next two ones because those yeah. apparently apparently those are going to be more deep cuts rather than the hits which uh, which took up most of the 45 minutes of his show on uh, last saturday yeah that that sounds pretty cool i need to check out the youtube stream and uh, i think one thing i just came across is that he raised uh, Forty-five thousand dollars. So I think that's a great thing that he did. And of course, a lot of musicians worldwide are doing a lot of different things to kind of help people just tide over this very weird situation that the world is in. And yeah, maybe this will become the new normal for, or at least be the new normal until we can figure out how uh, things can return to the old normal in a way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. We've got a very 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 fanboy kind of episode which is going to be coming up this Friday. It involves one of uh, Peter's most 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 cherished and what's the word I can go with? Help me out Peter. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just building this one up a lot because yeah, I know <laughs> because I know he uh, like Peter like he you really enjoyed this conversation right oh yeah dude and i mean uh, i don't want to give too much away but uh, all i said like i said on twitter is that their album was one of my favorites in uh, 2018 and i talked at length about it in our initial episodes so yeah it was it was kind of cool to get to chat to them and you know just get an understanding and see where they're going so I'll leave it at that for now. Mm-hmm. That could also be a cue for all of you. How many ever of you are still listening to this to go back to hauntsupport.com and check out the first couple of episodes in which we wrapped up the the year 2018 and picked out our best albums, etc. Maybe, maybe you'll find a clue as to who's coming onto the pod this Friday. You can, of course, reach us, reach out to us at hauntsupport.com. I'm at Asmoani and I'm at Trent Crusher. Till next time, horns up. Horns up. <laughs>